All right, let's uh, kick it off. Gotta get a little classic rock in there every once in a while. It's been a while, if ever, since I've used a little classic rock on the uh, intro to the podcast. And uh, indeed, that's what it is. It is the BK Actual Podcast. And this is your news roundup. BK here, coming at you from San Diego, uh, Pacific Coast time, 5.17 p.m. on the dot. Uh, I'm rocking it solo today. And you know what that means. It's We're going to get into some stuff here. Uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at BKActual. And, uh, of course, if you want to support the podcast, you can always leave me a review on iTunes or check out Patreon.com and get over there. And if uh, you feel like if the spirit moves you to do so, leaving a, a nickel or something to pledge per month, that'd be great. Uh, also, uh, if you didn't see, on, I did put it out on Twitter, but uh, I was a guest on the SoftRep Radio podcast. Uh, recorded that yesterday, and I believe that should be getting posted. Um, last I heard is it going to be sometime tomorrow. So we'll uh, hopefully we'll see how that goes. And the way they run it, I believe it's for members. It should be available immediately upon posting. And then for non-members, it will be up on iTunes a week later. And we had uh, I had a great discussion with Ian about uh, all the usual shenanigans and some of the stuff that uh, we talk about here. So. If you guys get a chance, go ahead and talk. Uh, go ahead and uh, get caught up on that. All right. So uh, this week, man, another crazy week. Isn't every week crazy now, right? This is uh, this is the new era. You know, it does kind of. It, it is kind of funny though because, you know, I keep reading these journalists on Twitter who are like, "Oh, I've never seen anything like this. Oh, this is crazy. This is insane." And it's like they've been awakened from a giant slumber from the last eight years. And uh, in a little bit, and the funny, and everything's changed about the way they do their job, right? Because they, uh, I don't know. Also, this is why you should follow me on Twitter because I, tw- I was amused. I believe it was CBS News uh, tweeted out like a salute to Obama for his birthday, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like, really? Do you really believe we had an adversarial press for like the last ten years? If you don't know how much the press was infatuated with Obama. Like it does, bias doesn't even begin to capture it. But we're going to get into all that in a little bit. Um, but we talked about, uh, so we talked about the the big uh, with my guest last week. If you missed last week, we had Big Corman Greg here, and we had uh, Cameron from Tour Knives and uh, former Ranger. And uh, of course, we got into all the uh, transgender soldiers because that was a Trump, uh, uh, not not a great uh, not a great way to go about it. But that's like a Trump policy that he's trying to implement. Who knows if it's even going to be implemented? But this week we had another one, right? This week, the big uh, kerfuffle was with the changing or trying to change. It probably won't even pass because we live in like a religious cult now. The immigration. And you guys out there, if you followed this podcast at all, you know I love talking about the immigration. I'm fascinated about it. And like I was telling Ian yesterday on the Software Radio podcast, you know, these are important questions and these need to be discussed like adults and I see very little of that. Uh, I see most of the time I see shrieking hysteria. I see people throwing out stupid slogans that are irrelevant to the discussion. Um, and you know, let's just let's just lay it out. I, I don't have I, obviously. I'm I'm a I have immigrant friends. I'm a big fan of immigration. I do not like illegal immigration. We are a country. We're a sovereign nation. Of course, we have every right to decide who comes in and out of our country. Uh, but it's become sem- seemingly it has become semi-conventional wisdom that if you only manage to sneak in and evade the authorities for some time, then 
according to many, many, many liberals, uh, pundits, and politicians, then you've somehow earned a right to stay here, which clearly is not the case. But we've had this set in so long uh, with Obama and George W. Bush before him with his compassionate conservatism crap that this was like kind of the way it is. Well, it seems not so much anymore. So let's get into what uh, uh, the president proposed. So he did embrace, uh, embrace a proposal on Wednesday to slash legal immigration. Uh, this is what this concerns to the United States in half within a decade by sharply curtailing the ability of American citizens and legal residents to bring family members into the country. This plan would enact the most far reaching changes to the system of legal immigration in decades and represents the president's latest effort to stem the flow of newcomers to the United States. Um, now, when he asked Congress to curb legal immigration, Mr. Trump intensified a debate about national identity, economic growth, worker fairness, and American values that animated his campaign last year. Of course, everybody lost their minds about it like they are wont to do. Uh, critics, who are pretty much every member of the press and everyone on Twitter except me, said the proposal would undercut the fundamental vision of the United States as a haven for the poor and huddled masses. I can't, I can't believe the New York Times actually put that in their story. You see what I'm saying? They really think the stupid poem, and we're going to get into this, the stupid poem on the Statue of Liberty is like some kind of law, um, It is, uh, which is absurd. Uh, so at the uh, when, when they got into it, uh, Mr. Trump returned to a theme that has defined his political career. And this is at a time when his uh, poll numbers are shrinking. Uh, I think a lot of people are getting really tired of his shenanigans, actually. I know I am. I was, uh, I was pretty irritated with the whole tr uh, tweeting out the transgender ban thing before he did a fucking lick of paperwork. Super, super annoying. But the DNC was quick to criticize. And here's a quote from Tom Perez, the chairman of the Democratic National Committee. Instead of catching criminals, Trump wants to tear apart communities and punish immigrant families that are making valuable contributions to our economy. You know, I've, I've pointed out many times, every single time they look to a politician or activist for a quote on immigration, they use some form of the verb tear or rip. I'm not getting play. Play this as a game. Every single news story from now on that you read, go look at the story, and I fucking guarantee you in there somewhere there will be an activist or a liberal politician using the form of some sort, some version of the form tear or rip. Now, uh, the bill itself was sponsored by Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas uh, and David Perdue of Georgia. The bill would institute a merit-based system to determine who is admitted to the country and grant legal residency green cards and favor applicants based on skills, education, and language ability rather than relations with people already here. This proposal revives an idea included in broader immigration legislation supported by President George W. Bush uh, that died in committee in 2007. Now, more than 1 million people are granted legal residency each year, okay? 1 million. That's legal immigrants. So imagine what it was like in the height of Obama's amnesties with uh, the illegal immigration. God knows what it was. Uh, you know, that's another point, too. Who knows what the real population of illegal immigrants in America is? It's, it's hard to say. I, you know, I've heard the term 11 million for decades. Like, it's never changed. So I don't, I don't know what it is. 
Uh, but yes, the proposal, getting back to the $1 million, uh, this proposal would reduce that number by 41% in its first year and 50% in its 10th year. Okay. So again, this would, this would cut it down all the way to 500,000, which is still a shit ton of people. These reductions would come largely from those brought in through family connections. The number of immigrants granted legal residency on the basis of job skills, about 140,000, would remain roughly the same. Now, it's important for you to keep in mind, this is just the bill proposal. These bills are going to go through massive changes uh, if, it, if it gets anywhere at all. Uh, I, saw, I saw dopey John McCain. Um, he must still be woozy from his head surgery. And I say this with all due respect for John McCain's service, so spare me the emails. He wants to he wants to kick back the amnesty legislation. Did you see this? <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. Not only did he campaign, he ran his whole campaign on repealing Obamacare, and then he fucking saved it from being repealed. And now he's rushing to um, reinstitute his amnesty bill. You gotta love uh, you gotta love old McCain. But under the current system now. Most immigrants, legal immigrants we're talking about, are admitted to the United States based on family ties. American citizens can sponsor spouses, parents, and minor children for an unrestricted number of visas, while siblings and adult children are given preferences for a limited number of visas available to them. Legal permanent residents holding green cards can also sponsor spouses and children. In 2014, the New York Times has written here, 64% of immigrants admitted with legal residency were immediate relatives of American citizens or sponsored by family members. Just 15% entered through employment-based preferences. Uh, The legislation further would award points based on education, ability to speak English, high-paying job offers, age, record of achievement, and entrepreneurial initiatives. But, While it would still allow spouses and minor children of Americans and legal residents to come in, it would eliminate preferences for other relatives, like siblings and adult children. Uh, The bill would create a renewable temporary visa for older adult parents who come for caretaking purposes. All right, so far I see nothing wrong with any of this. But again, we have a press corps who shrieks and howls at anything that dares touch one of their sacred cows. And as I pointed out on Twitter, I don't know what it is about this particular issue that makes them go apeshit, but they really do. Uh, as far as refugees, the legislation would limit refugees offered permanent residence to 50000 a year and eliminate a diversity visa lottery that the sponsor says does not promote diversity. Uh, the senator said that their bill was meant to emulate systems in Canada and Australia. Yeah, it's an important point, too, because... Uh, many countries, you you have no many countries. It is very hard to immigrate to. All right, so we're not doing anything that's crazy. Uh, many countries will not give you a will allow you to move there if you're going to be a deadbeat or if you're going to be a ward of the state. Indeed, America used to not allow you to move here if you were going to be a ward of the state. This was a common thing. Uh, like I said, the. Sponsors said legal immigration would decrease to 637000 a year and to 550000 after a decade. Uh, Mr. Cotton, Mr. Tom Cotton, the Senator Cotton, said uh, low-skilled immigrants pushed down wages for those who worked with their hands. So he's going after the working Americans. Uh, but Senator Lindsey Graham 
Republican of South Carolina, noted that agriculture and tourism were his state's top two industries. Um, so now the, the funny part and what was really making around was Stephen Miller, the uh, president's aide. He got into it. He held a press conference with uh, Dopey Jim Acosta from CNN. And now this is something else that's never happened, that never happened, uh, you know, when Obama was president. Now, a White House correspondent, his job is to take what the president's spokesman is saying, ask a few follow-up questions, write it down, and, and tell you, the American people, right? But what we're seeing now is a lot of grandstanding. What we're seeing now is the press aggressively questioning and cutting off the speaker. I don't have a problem with aggressive questioning, but it is, it is a time and place issue. So you can really tell, though, they're offended at the idea of any changes to an immigration system. And our immigration system, and I know some of you disagree with me on this. Uh, I have some friends who disagree with me on this. But our immigration system is is absurd. It's like something out of the out of the, like the 1900s, early 1900s. And it is a fact that immigration levels have ro- risen and fallen before. It's nothing new. Like we had that big immigration push in the early part of the 20th century, uh, the famous one, you know, the 20s and 30s and whatnot. And then for about 40 years, the levels were cut down dramatically. And we didn't have a lot of immigration for like 40 years. You know, it rose and fell. And this is normal. You know, this is something normal. You give the, give the stew a little time to cook. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, the reaction is what's telling to me. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play. This, is, this video goes for a while. And I want you to hear how offended Jim Acosta is, but how stupid he is. And he really thinks he got the better of Stephen Miller on this. And you tell me. I'm not even going to tell, tell you what to think. You tell me. So we'll start at the beginning. We'll kind of... Uh, We'll kind of skip through and I'll interject as needed. So here is Stephen Miller, and you'll hear Jim Acosta start asking him a question. Yes. Uh, what you're proposing, or what the president's proposing here, does not sound like it's in keeping with American tradition when it comes to immigration. The Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Again with the poem. Free. doesn't say anything about speaking English or being able to uh, compute, uh, be a computer programmer. Uh, aren't you trying to change what it means to be an immigrant coming into this country if, if you're telling them uh, you have to speak English? Uh, can't people learn how to speak English when they get here? Well, first of all, right now, it's a requirement that it be naturalized, you have to speak English. So the notion that speaking English wouldn't be a part of our immigration systems would be actually very ahistorical. Secondly, I don't want to get off into a whole thing about history here, but the Statue of Liberty is a symbol of liberty enlightening the world. It's a symbol of American liberty lighting the world. The poem that you're referring to that was added later is not actually part of the original Statue of Liberty, but more fundamentally, the so history, saying, so they, saying, but more fundamentally, you're saying the that history. That does not represent I'm saying that, I'm the saying that the notion, I'm saying the notion that the, I'm saying the notion. All right, let, let me stop it. Let me stop it here for just a second. Like, uh, again, you can hear Acosta going off the stupid symbolism. And one more time. Something that bugs the shit out of me is how people constantly compare immigration now to the way immigration was in the 20s. We live in a completely fucking different time, you dumbasses, and it's not the same thing, okay? A uh, hundred years ago, we needed massive amounts of physical labor, and we were taking kind of everybody who moved. In the Civil War, we took the fucking Irish right off the boat, slapped a rifle in their hand, and marched them right down to the fucking Civil War. Uh, we needed those people in the twenties to man factories. As far as those immigrants themselves, 
they were when they were leaving their home country, they were cut they were leaving forever, okay? They weren't going back. They were cutting ties and they 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 were going to completely immerse themselves in this culture. Uh, further, society was vastly different. You didn't have cable TV or massive amounts of radio stations or a fucking phone in your hand where you could just watch the news in your own language. You could read newspapers in your... Maybe you had the newspaper in your own language. I'll give you that one. But you know what I'm saying. We didn't have this mass media at the touch of a button. Uh, you didn't have flights you know, going back and forth to the home country. So it, it was a completely different time. But all anybody does is say stupid shit about 1920. We live in a different world now. It's not 1920 anymore. Everything is becoming increasingly automated. Of course, these are all like points and logic and reason, something that is horribly missing from this debate. But stop fucking comparing what happened 100 years ago to what happens now. It's, it's, it's absurd to me. It's like, um, it's like basing like uh, the freeway system off the routes that the fucking covered wagons used to do. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's uh, let's continue with uh, Dopey Jim Acosta here. That sounds like some uh, national park revisionism. No, the what I'm asking of, you is, Statue of Liberty Jim, has always Jim, been. Let me ask uh, he's you on TV, right? So he's he's Jim, he's auditioning for his TV show. To this country, Jim, and they're not always going to speak Jim, English, Stephen. Jim, they're not do you believe he's going to be highly skilled? They're not always Jim. Going to be Jim, Jim, I, I appreciate your speech. Jim, I appreciate your speech. So let's let's talk about this. It was a, it was a Jim, let's talk about this. In 1970, when we let in 300,000 people a year, was that violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? In, 19, in the 1990s, when it was half a million a year, was it violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? Right. Was it violating? When it was 700,000 a year. No, tell me what years. Tell me what years. Tell me what years. Meet. Tell me what years. Meet Jim Acosta's definition of the Statue of Liberty <laughs> poem, Law of the Land. So you're saying a million a year is the Statue of Liberty number. 900,000 violates it, 800,000 violates it. You're, you're sort of bringing a Jim. press one. Right, see how he's not answering any of this? Immigration, and that's never For Jim. what the United States has been about, Stephen. But, you're, but you're also, your, your statement's also shockingly ahistorical in another respect, too, which is if you look at the history of immigration, it's actually ebbed and flowed. We've had periods of very large waves, yeah, followed by periods said of that. less I'm immigration, like a genius. more immigration, and during the... We're in a we've had, period of immigration right now that wants to build it's a wall. It's actually about a sweeping... Surely, Jim, you don't actually think that a wall affects green card policy. You couldn't possibly believe that, do you? Actually, the notion that you actually think immigration is at a historic law, the foreign-born population in the United States today, Jim, Jim, talking about how border crossings. Do you really? Okay, let's stop it here again because this is a great point by Miller. So, Jim, Jim Acosta now is talking. See how he's trying to blur illegal immigration in with legal immigration? That's what he was saying. That's that's what Miller's saying. Like the wall has nothing to do with legal immigration. Legal immigrants are free to come in through the airport, through the port, through the boats, whatever the fuck they come in. The wall, if it gets built, is to stop illegal border crossings. But this is a common tactic by the media. That's why they constantly talk about immigration when they really are su- are supposedly talking about illegal immigration. Um, so again, a common tactic, and they like to lump in the two. So let's uh, let's keep listening to this fucking idiot. Green card policy and illegal immigration. Sir, are, I mean, are you really don't know that. Cuban immigrant. He came to this country in 1962, uh, right before the Cuban Missile Crisis, and obtained a green card. <laughs> yes, people who immigrated okay, so, to this country so, Jim, eventually. People who so Jim, immigrated to this country, question, through, Jim. not through El Jim, as a factual, Jim, as a factual question. Ways 
do obtain a green card at some point. They do it through a lot of hard work, and yes, they may learn English as a second language later on in life. So, but, but this Jim. whole this whole notion of well, they could learn, you know, they have to learn English before they get to the United States. Are we just going to bring in people from Great Britain and Australia? Jim, it's actually, I have to honestly say, I am shocked <laughs> at your statement that you think that only people from Great Britain and Australia would know English. It's actually, yeah, it Jim. reveals your cosmopolitan uh, bias yeah. to a shocking degree that in your mind, no, this is an amazing, this is an amazing moment. This is an amazing moment that you think only people from Great Britain or Australia would speak English is so insulting to millions of hardworking immigrants who do speak English from all over the world. Jim, have you honestly, Jim, have you honestly never met a an immigrant from another country who speaks English outside of Great Britain and Australia? Is that your personal experience? Of course, there are people who come. But that's not what you. And it shows it shows your cosmopolitan bias. And I just want to say, like you're trying to engineer the racial and ethnic flow of people into this country. All right, see there it is, and there it is. See that's what they're really upset about, right? They they think that they're trying to accuse him of well, you're only going to have white people, which is impossible to have that right now because there's not that many white people coming here anymore. Anyway, but yeah, you can see how outraged Simakai. Let's continue with this ignorant and foolish things you've ever said and for you that's still a really the, the notion that you think that this is a racist bill is so wrong and so insulting Jim the Jim. reality is, is that the foreign born population into our country has quadrupled since 1970 that's a fact, it's been mostly driven by green card policy, that is a fact now, this bill allows for immediate nuclear family members to come into the country much as they would today and then it adds an additional point space system. The people who've been hurt the most, the people who've been, the people who've been, the people who've been, the people who've been hurt the most by the policy you're advocating are apparently just unfettered, uncontrolled migration. The people who've been hurt the most by the. Yeah, exactly. See, okay, you see how that, see how Jim Acosta plays stupid right there? Oh, what do you mean? I'm not advocating. Yeah, you are. You're saying that anything they do to try to control immigration is by, on its face, bad. Of course, and he tries to duck out of it. I like that. But you see, you know what? I, I can see why they took cameras out of the briefing room because this is fucking, this is what you get. You get this fucking grandstanding. You can, and you allow one dope who is terrible at arguing, by the way. You allow him just to control the entire thing. All right, let's continue with Steve. Hurt the most by the policy that you're, the people who've been hurt the most by the policy you're advocating are immigrant workers and minority workers and African American workers and Hispanic workers. Are you targeting the African American no community now? You brought it up again. You said you wanted to have a conversation and not target. Is it going to be a target? This is now? what we want to do. Using the African American community, are you going to target? I'm not trying to be funny. Right, and I know what you're saying. What you're saying is 100 percent correct. Thank you. We want to help unemployed African Americans in this country and unemployed workers of all backgrounds get jobs. And insinuations like Jim made trying to ascribe nefarious motives to a compassion immigration measure designed to help newcomers and current arrivals alike is wrong. And this is a positive, optimistic proposal that says 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, 10 years, 20 years, Oh, shut up, Jim. We want to have an immigration system that takes care of the people who are coming here and the people who are already living here by having standards, by having a real clear requirement that you be able to support yourself financially, by making sure that employers can pay a living wage. And that's the right policy for our country, and it's the president's... Let me stop it here again for a minute. Uh, yeah, you know what? Again, like what I went back to, it seems ludicrous to me 
that you would have, why would you continue bringing in massive amounts of poor people in this age of increased automation? Did you guys see that fucking Amazon just had a job fair? I can't remember what state, but I was reading Amazon just had a job fair and the line was like, there were like thousands of people in line and these were like for shitty warehouse jobs. And Frank, and you know what? Those jobs are going to be gone in another decade. And still they had thousands of people line up. So of course you don't want tons of people. Uh, you know what? Times change that, like I said, you can't make it's, it's, it's foolish to maintain some sort of standard that was maybe relevant in 1920, especially like post-World War One, leading up to World War Two, where you had you needed manual labor. That's going away. Shit, that's going that's going away for a lot of shit. Not just the factories, not just the warehouses. That's going away for quite a bit of stuff. Uh, let me see if there's how much more is this is. Okay, there's only there's only like 30 seconds more. So let's hit it. I apologize, Jim, if things got heated, but you did make some pretty. Rough insinuations. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll hand it over to Sarah. I think that went exactly as planned. I think that was what Sarah was hoping would happen. <laughs> All right. That's the end of that. So, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, it, uh, obviously, it's going to depend on what you think. But, uh, you know, this again, the, he makes it, Jim Acosta makes it sound like we're cutting immigration to zero. Okay. It's, it's absurd. It, it, would, it would still be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. All right. Now, he wasn't the only dopey reporter who got into it. Uh, Stephen Miller also got into it with Glenn Thrush. Glenn Thrush, if you remember, he was one. Remember the campaign? Glenn Thrush was the WikiLeaks guy, uh, was one of the reporters outed in the emails who was cooperating and pre-clearing his stories with the DNC. He even, he's the one who called himself a hack. And he was also like, please don't tell anybody I'm sending you my stories for pre-clearance. Yeah, so he's a liberal fuck, too. Let's hear how this went. This is Steve, same press conference, same guy, Stephen Miller uh, against Glenn Thrush. Let's see how this sounded. Specific numbers that prove the correlation between those two things because your entire policy is based on that. And secondly, I had sources that told me about a month ago that you guys have sort of elbowed infrastructure out of the way to get immigration uh, on the legislative queue. Tell me why this is more important than infrastructure. Well, the latter statement isn't true. I think the most recent study I would point to is the study from George Borjas that he just did about the marital boat lift. And he went back and re-examined and opened up the old data and talked about how it actually did reduce wages for workers who were living there at the time. And Borjas has, of course, done enormous amounts of research on this, as has the uh, Peter Kersenow on the U.S. Civil Rights Commission, as has Steve Camerata at the Center for Immigration Studies, and so on and so forth. Sciences, engineering, and medicine. And, right, and the recent study said that as much as $300 billion a year may be lost as a result of our current immigration system in terms of folks drawing more public benefits than they're paying in. But let's also use common sense here, folks. At the end of the day, why do special interests want to bring in more low-skilled workers, and why historically... Yeah, I'm not asking for common sense, I'm asking for specific Well, I think it's very clear, Glenn, that you're not asking for common, common sense, sense. No, but no, if, no, I just answer, if I could just answer your question, I named, I, named, I named the studies, Glenn. Let me just finish the question. Glenn, Glenn, tell me the, Glenn, tell me the, I named the listen studies. Listen to them. I named the studies. I asked you for a statistic. Can you tell me Glenn, how many... The, how maybe many, we'll make a carve-out in the bill that yeah. says the New York Times can hire all the low-skilled, less-paid workers they want from other countries and see how you feel then about low-wage substitution. This is a reality that's happening <laughs> in our country. All right, good one. Yeah, that, that was where he said, uh, oh, hey, you were right for the New York Times. Well, then we'll carve out something that's saying that uh, we'll allow in a bunch of low-skilled people to come in and take your job for the New York Times. 
but uh, again, the, the the contentiousness of the entire thing is what uh, what cracked me up. It was uh, it was pretty crazy. All right, what else? Um, so that happened, and uh, it was pretty funny because we had, of course, uh, continuing on our immigration front. I'm just scanning through the story here. Uh, I'm used to this from the L.A. Times out here in California, but this was uh, this was great in the Washington Post. See the the L.A. Times, they almost any day of the week you can go to their front page and find a story about uh, a, a poor illegal immigrant who is a hard worker and got picked up by ICE and deported, or somebody who's scared. They they were fuck, especially during the campaign uh, of 2016. They were running that shit nonstop. So I'm used to that. Of course, they never managed to find the MS-13 guy who killed somebody or anything like that, or the dudes who who, who raped anybody. They never find. They never managed to put that on the front page. You know what I'm saying? But here's one from the Washington Post. Uh, this involved two brothers from Gaithersburg. Hey, it's my mom. That's where my mom lives. Uh, they were deported to their native El Salvador on Wednesday, and. This brought another outrage because it involved a 19-year-old and a 22-year-old, and everybody uh, is angry. But here's the facts, kids. They entered the country illegally in 2009. They initially won reprieves from deportation, but their efforts to renew those stays were repeatedly denied. So... Uh, they went out and got quotes for all the all the uh, liberal teachers and stuff that taught them in high school and their soccer coaches and all that crap. So on Friday, the brothers were detained by ICE agents in Baltimore after a regular check-in. Uh, one of the brothers apparently told the agents that he was planning to attend college on a scholarship. Now, their attorney named Nick Katz, senior manager of legal services at Casa de Maryland. Casa de Maryland is a radical... Uh, immigration uh, activist group. And uh, the ICE spokesman said, listen, th- th- you have to scroll like way down the story to actually find this. The ICE spokesman said, look, you they were ordered a final issue of removal by an immigration judge in 2012. Now, this is what gets me. They had, you know, they're always shrieking about due process. These, they got their due process. They chose to ignore the due process. And now everybody just wants to ignore the laws. I'm so fucking tired of people making their own problems. And then they want to be exempt from the consequences. You know what I'm saying? Like the fucking, you know, this dovetails into so many fucking topics. It drives me crazy. People want to be exempt from any consequence that they made. You chose to come across the border illegally. You knew it was wrong. Don't tell me you didn't know it was wrong. You, you had your due process. You went through the whole fucking system. A judge and the immigration judges are liberal as fuck. Saw no reason to grant you. This is during Obama's term. Keep in mind, 2012, not last week. A judge in 2012 said, you got to go. They chose to ignore him. And this is like, this is similar to me. You know, it's, it's, there's so many things like this. It's like the guy getting mad because, oh, the, you know, I brought this up on uh, the soft rep podcast that, you know, it's like the guy getting pissed off because he can't get in the military because he chose to get a big old neck tattoo. You know, too fucking bad, bro. You fucking chose to do that. Stop asking everybody to give you a waiver for the poor life decisions that you've made. Fucking tired of it. Um, so anyway, all the, uh, all the, all the people are upset about that. 
And uh, they had the press conference. Of course, Casa de Maryland set up the family at the press conference. Uh, their mother, it, who apparently, uh, I, see, I don't know all the details of this. Apparently, the mother here is the mother is here legally. Apparently, uh, her name's Lucia. Well, Lucia said they have separated my family. We were together, and we were very happy. No, you did that, Lucia. You separated your family. I don't even know what their story is. You knew it. You knew this could happen, and you did nothing. You could go see them. Uh, and again, and then a brother uh, spoke up too, and he said, "Quote: The system is supposed to deport criminals. I am fine with that. But my brothers did nothing wrong." Again, there's like a total fucking denial in the illegal immigrant community. I don't know who's telling them. Well, I know who's telling them. It's all the activist groups, right? No country in the world, in any country you go to, you could go to fucking Mexico. I'll tell you right, I live right by Mexico. I go to Mexico all the time. I obey all their immigration laws all the time because I know if I don't, they could fucking lock me in jail and it probably won't be a very nice experience. So I go out of my way to obey what they say. I have respect for them as a country. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing. And uh, it was great because they, they, they always get a quote from the senator, right? Senator Chris Van Hollen from Maryland regarding this case said, um, quote, shame on President Trump for tearing apart hardworking immigrant families. <laughs> I didn't even know. What did I fucking tell you about the quotes? Every time they're ripped or they're torn. It's one of the two. You'll never forget this now when you read a story about this. Now, Putting aside what all the propaganda is, you know, see this, and this is the thing that annoys me too. I am not, I recognize, I am willing to admit, absolutely, there are people in tough circumstances. They come here, they're illegal immigrants who are good people. Absolutely. I've known them. I've worked with them. You know, I've, I've done shit jobs before when I was younger. I knew people weren't legal. I'm at least willing to admit that there's lots of, of them are good, even though at the same time I acknowledge that they know what they're doing and they made a conscious decision to do it. But it seems the other side doesn't ever want to admit that uh, anyone is bad. You know what I mean? When they do their propaganda, every, every illegal immigrant is a saint. Uh, every homeless guy is just a fucking down-on-his-luck hard worker who's just itching for a honest day's pay for an honest day's work. Right? Um, and it's like, dude, that's not reality to me, okay? Fucking go down to the seawall here in San Diego and watch the guys. I went to go get coffee this morning, and there was two dudes screaming at each other across the street over a fucking nickel bag or some shit. But I'm so tired of like this, this, this let's all play pretend and pretend everybody's good in, in whatever activist group we're trying to do, you know? And so it is in this one. Here's a couple examples for you. Here's one. An illegal immigrant with a long history of deportations to Mexico and who was released by local jail officials in defiance of a federal immigration hold is now accused of raping one woman and assaulting another in a sickening crime spree. Sergio Jose Martinez, 31 years old, is charged with 13 counts, including burglary, kidnapping, sodomy, and sex abuse in the knife point attack on two women in Portland this last week. Six months ago, 
Jail officials in Portland had Martinez in custody when they received a request from Immigration and Customs Enforcement asking the jail to notify ICE before his release. Yet the local officials released him the next day in defiance of the federal immigration detainer. There you go. That's fucking nice, isn't it? Unfucking believe. And this was a guy who's who's been deported like twenty fucking times. Now recall. Recall the shitstorm that erupted when Trump spoke at the Boy Scouts, right? Recall the shitstorm that erupted when Trump uh, made an obvious joke about to the cop. When you remember he was talking to the cops, I didn't cover this on the podcast, but Trump made a speech to the cops and he made a joke about like, hey, when you throw those when you throw those criminals in the paddy wagon, you know, maybe uh, maybe don't protect their heads, you know, maybe don't treat them so nice. It was a joke. Everybody fucking lost their mind. And what did the, what did the media do? The media sends reporters to every fucking police chief in the nation. Asking for a statement, right? So, but you'll never see them running to the fucking useless fuck face of a Portland libtard mayor, will you? No, you'll never see it. You'll never see them running up, ambushing him as he's walking out of the office saying, uh, Mayor, I believe it's Wheeler. I believe that's his name. Mayor Wheeler, Mayor, you got anything to comment? Why did you let go a person who's been deported 20 times with a long criminal record, Mayor Wheeler? Why is that? Again, going back to when the activists talk, every illegal immigrant is like a future fucking honor student, right? Uh, every single one of them. Some are. A lot aren't. And let's, uh, let's, let's not be children anymore and pretend that they are. That's all I'm fucking saying. Is that too much? Oh, boy. Uh, the details on the story, if you, want to, uh, if you want to go look at it, are fairly horrific. Uh, and that wasn't the only one. Uh, I tell you, the Pacific Northwest, they're out of hand. In Seattle, same week, a 23-year-old, a dreamer. He's a dreamer, one of the Dream Act kids, right? A 23-year-old dreamer in Washington State is accused of brutally raping a 19-year-old woman in her apartment complex's gym and leaving her with severe facial injuries, including a broken jaw and dangling ear. God damn. The woman ended up stumbling home with missing teeth, a bloody head, and wearing only a blank tank top. Well, that takes some fucking stones right there. You're going to fucking rape a chick in an apartment complex gym? Good God. Uh, Yeah, so this is Salvador Diaz Garcia, an illegal immigrant who was a recipient of deferred action on a childhood arrivals, or DACA. Um... And he also faces child molestation charges for allegedly assaulting a 14-year-old the same day the rape occurred. What is it with these fucking guys? You got Sergio up in Portland. He fucking raped a chick and assaulted another on the same day. This fucking goon in Seattle, he rapes a chick and then he assaults a 14-year-old. His DACA status has been revoked, blah, blah, blah. And one more time, I would love to fucking go have the media occasionally stick a microphone in their face and get some reaction because everything Trump says, you know, you got you got to get a reaction, right? They never fucking do it. They never do it. Oh, man. And now you actually have prosecutors weighing the consequences of deportation when they go to prosecute people. You believe this fucking shit? Yeah, here's one. Um, they they there was a there was again in Washington a 23 year old was uh, driving drunk, and they basically had to keep in mind that if she could lose 
Uh, she could lose her... Oh, she apparently was also a DACA recipient. She was studying at the University of Washington. If she pled guilty to DUI, the punishment... Um, uh, could She could have lost her protective status. So all these district attorneys out there are trying to let them plead to lesser charges. So now, in a, a, a sense, they have more rights than you do, the American citizen. Unfucking believable So what happens when she drives drunk again, this particular chick? Because now you're not going to deport her, right? What happens if she does it again and kills somebody? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen again, right? Uh and listen to this fucking dolt. Dan Satterberg, the prosecuting attorney for Seattle and a longtime Republican. Yeah, Republican Seattle. He said, more and more, my eyes are open that treating people the same means that there isn't a life sentence of deportation that might accompany that conviction. See, why don't... That's where a reporter should ask him and stop him and say, so you don't think that... Basically, you think that once they get past the border, people should be allowed to stay. Nobody ever asked that for some reason. I want these people to get on record. I would have a little bit more respect for them if some of these activists and everybody else said, you know what? I don't believe in borders. I think that once people get here, they're here, and as long as they're not causing any trouble, I don't think they should be deported. I would at least have respect for that opinion. But they never do that because they're never asked. And they get away with just saying, of course, I believe in, in, in sovereignty and borders, blah, blah. But it's like, no, you don't, though. Ugh. Uh, but that was a great story out of the New York Times that uh, they went on to say that a lot of these people are doing this because they don't want them to be deported. So um, I'm just uh, Jeff Sessions, Uncle Jeff said, it troubles me that we've seen district attorneys openly brag about not charging cases appropriately under the laws of our country. And uh, they, that's, uh, that's not a good thing. That is definitely not a good trend to me. And I'm just scrolling through this story here that, oh, here's, and here's the acting Brooklyn district attorney, a guy named Eric Gonzalez, announced that his prosecutors would begin notifying defense lawyers about the potential immigration fallout of their clients' cases and that he would hire two in-house immigration lawyers to consult on prosecutions. Do you believe all this? God. All right. Well, there's your uh, that's your illegal immigration update. But uh, I encourage you to go read the whole thing. I can't believe we're already like we're already like forty five minutes into this. Oh, oh, uh, th at the very very bottom of the story, this is great, and I believe we did cover this on the podcast. Because here's uh, in Boston, a suspect in the double murder of two physicians in May, who was a legal resident. He was legal. He wasn't an illegal alien. He had been able to keep his green card despite robbing two banks in recent years after his lawyer negotiated a plea deal that allowed him to plead to larceny instead of unarmed bank robbery. That made the sentence he received from a judge one day short of the 365-day threshold that could have led to his deportation. Yeah, that's another thing. So I believe uh, there's something, if, if, you, if you're convicted of a crime that uh, gives you at least one year in jail, 365 days, that's like an automatic, you're gone, right? Uh, so a lot of attorneys around the country are actually making those sentences 364 days. So they sneak under the radar. This is unbelievable to me. All to protect people who have committed fucking terrible crimes. And that fucking attorney... Like, honestly, what, they should be held liable for that. So this guy, in that case, was allowed to stay, and then he went on to murder two people. 
Uh, and as the story points out, though, and this is key, backlash to this has been infrequent and prosecutors have continued to take immigrant status into account. Well, that's why, isn't it? It's because nobody does anything about it. Because they're all they all uh, they all agree with that shit. Oh yeah yeah. What else do we have? Oh Detroit. Let's uh. So that's the, that's your immigration. I'm done. I'm fucking can't take it anymore. So let's move on. Let's uh let's start doing some quick hits. This is great. Half of Detroit's eight mayoral candidates are felons. <laughs> Uh, and this wasn't just any felons. Uh, these felony crimes involve drugs, assault, and weapons. Uh, three were charged with gun crimes and two for assault with intent to commit murder. Some of the offenses date back decades, the earliest to 1977, but the most recent was 2008. Wow. Uh, I'm just scrolling through this right now. Uh, First-time contender Donna Marie Pitts, wow, female, 58 years old, has multiple felony convictions dating back to 1977. Although she denies wrongdoing in past cases against her, yeah, that's why you're convicted of a felony. I don't think so. Uh, Why don't... Okay, here we go. Uh, In 1977, Pitts was convicted of receiving and concealing a stolen 1977 Oldsmobile. She was sentenced to a year of probation. A decade later, she was charged with two counts of assault with intent to murder and two firearms offenses in connection with two separate shooting incidents. (laughs) Damn, Pitt sounds gangster as fuck. She was involved in a shootout with the owner of a collision shop and auto clinic in a dispute over a repair bill. Uh, In court testimony, the shop owner said he fired about six shots at Pitts during the altercation, and she fired at least two at him. Uh... They, she then rammed his vehicle before speeding away from the scene. <laughs> she was sentenced for three to ten years in prison. Wow. Uh, she had another run-in with police in uh, September of 2000 when she was stopped in a residential neighborhood and arrested for fleeing and eluding and uh, operating a vehicle without a license. Uh, most recently, she was convicted of firearm possession and carrying a concealed weapon under a March 20, 2003 plea agreement. Wow. Uh, and she, uh, then later on, she was stopped for uh, an improper license plate, and they found a thirty-eight caliber handgun uh, on the floor of her truck. Oh, Pitt said, she that's not mine. That belongs to my sister. Wow. Hey, she's running for mayor, though. You know? Hey, whatever, man. You know? Uh, a fellow candidate, another woman. How about that? Donetta L. Simpson, 1996 felony conviction out of Oakland County for assault with intent to murder. Hmm. Uh, she says, uh, for her part, I was a wrongfully convicted felon. Wow, there you go. Admit nothing. Deny everything. Uh, this stemmed from a complaint made by a woman who'd been living with the father of two of Simpson's children. The woman alleged she'd received threatening phone calls from Simpson, and court records say a confrontation later ensued in which Simpson fired a gun, but nobody was injured. Wow, Detroit sounds fucking badass. I'm telling you, all you Detroit people. You got to get out there. Hey, maybe they're good. Uh, maybe they're good politicians. Who who knows, right? Uh, what else is happening out there? Oh, we had a uh, Secret Service officer. Uh, this really slipped under the radar, which was kind of funny, considering how you know the Secret Service is uh, kind of under the gun a little bit. Well, a Secret Service officer uh, accidentally shot himself while on duty. Yeah, that's nice. Way to go, guys! 
Real, really continuing the trend of really covering themselves on glory. Uh, this was on Tuesday. Accidentally, he accidentally shot himself and is hospitalized with non-threatening injuries. And this is a special officer. I don't know what that. I don't know if that means an agent or if that's something else. I keep saying special officer. Does that mean special agent? I don't know. Uh, too bad we don't have any of the gory details, unfortunately. On that, I really wish we did. That would be a, that'd be a fun story to follow up on. But what else? Uh, what else? Oh, here, yeah, this is good. Did you guys hear the uh, Navy's top lawyer stands accused of unlawfully meddling in criminal cases targeting Navy SEALs? Wow. Uh, this includes seeking to overturn a rape conviction of a Coronado-based Navy SEAL who had been deemed not guilty by his admirals and other officers. So this guy's in trouble. Uh, legal experts consulted by the San Diego Union Tribune agreed that the allegations swirling around Vice Admiral James Crawford III, the Navy's Judge Advocate General, so he's the top guy, are highly irregular. Um, as prime evidence, they pointed to his being deposed this week in Washington, D.C. in the SEAL rape case. Crawford was unable to recall key details about the case, which he's illegal, accused of illegally influencing, according to one of the lawyers. There, When in doubt, I don't remember that. I just don't remember. This was in, uh, this case was the uh, was Senior Chief Special Warfare Operator Keith Berry, who was court-martialed and convicted of rape in San Diego in 2015. He received a sentence of three years in prison and a dishonorable discharge. He has completed his prison term and left the SEALs, but he is appealing the conviction in hopes of restoring his reputation uh, and his benefits, by the way, I'm sure. So... Crawford apparently uh, encouraged the commanders to let Barry go to prison, partly to help preserve the Navy's reputation and appease the Obama administration and congressional critics of the military justice system. Crawford believed the Navy and the military needed to project a tougher image in the fight against sexual assault and warned that a clemency decision would hurt uh, the Admiral's Navy career who recommended leniency. That's nice. So yeah, this, is, this isn't going to look good for all of our, uh, all the shyster activists out there. So we, we fucking, uh, wow, that's a, that's a tough deal, man. <sighs> what else we got? I got to keep, I got to keep going on here. I can't take too much longer. The, oh man, did you hear about this guy? who killed his own child. This is insane. The son of a Colorado man charged with his murder saw compromising photos of this man wearing a diaper and eating his own feces before the child's disappearance five years ago. Wow. A guy named Mark Redwine, 55 years old, allegedly erupted in anger when his sons Dylan and Corey Redwine saw the embarrassing and disgusting photos of him. One of the children said... These photos show him wearing women's clothes and makeup and a diaper and then eating his feces from the diaper. We couldn't believe it. It was disgusting. The man is accused of killing Dylan, who was 13 years old at the time, who was last seen in 2012 after visiting his father. Ah, jeez. That's too bad. Pieces of his remains were found on Middle Mountain Road. Oh, man. I always hate... You know, I really hate reading about the about the children's death. You know, all the honestly, just like you know, they have the right idea over in, over in like Yemen and shit. I don't know if you guys saw that that story. I don't have it in front of me, 
but just quick sidebar, I some of the Middle Eastern justice I'm a big fan of. Like, did you see that some guy was accused of raping and strangling a three-year-old girl, and they uh, they dragged him out in the street and shot him in the back with an AK. And I'm like, uh, that's and that was after like uh, three weeks after he's convicted. So I'm for that. You know, they don't have it all wrong over there. You know, they had a lot of they got a they got a lot of fucked up shit going on. But uh, one thing, I'm I'm fan of the justice, the beheadings, the swords. Uh, I like all that. How about this one? Gay men. I want to thank you on uh, you guys who, who sent this to me on Twitter. Gay men are spending up to $25,000 on anal Botox and other cosmetic procedures on their bottoms, including, quote, anal rejuvenation and bleaching services, end quote. This is along with treatments for hemorrhoids, skin tags, and polyps. Yeah, I mean, you can't, uh, you know, you can't have a little, you can't have a skin tag on the old balloon knot down there when a guy's trying to fucking get in there. It's a turnoff. One patient interviewed by a website called Moneyish, and who knows if this is real? I believe it though. Why not? One patient said, told him, uh, told Moneyish that he has spent seventy thousand dollars to correct a botched surgery down there, but in the process discovered the fountain of anal youth. Uh, he got Botox injection injections to release the muscles around his anus so that he can enjoy bottom sex once more. <laughs> oh God, this can't be real, is it? Nah. Uh, the butt Botox years of surgery and $70,000 tab were worth it when he was finally able to have bottom sex again recently. Uh, <laughs> this, this quote, he said, quote, the guy was like, wow, you have a beautiful butthole, which just made me feel so good. That is all I wanted from the beginning for this tiny little thing to look so beautiful. Uh, hey, bro, let me tell you something. It's, it's never, ever, ever going to look beautiful. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, oh, these pop-up ads are killing me, man. They're absolutely fucking killing me. Out here in California, we got, uh, you know, you ever, you ever wondered the, I swear the, the, the higher education scam is, is unbelievable out here. Here's a great example. Former UC Davis chancellor, Linda Katehi will teach one engineering course per quarter over the next nine months and make 318,000 fucking dollars. Her, this course is a one-unit one graduate seminar scheduled to meet 50 minutes each Friday. Unreal. Now, this is this. she's a former UC Davis chancellor. You guys remember that? Remember when the cops sprayed all the kids protesting at the sit-in with the, uh, the pepper spray? Remember that? He walked up. They were all sitting there, and he just walked up and down the line just like, like he was like weeding, like he was spraying his weeds, and he just covered them with pepper spray. Yeah, she was the chancellor at the time. And she had to, like, resign in disgrace. Uh, she's 63 years old. Yeah, I'm just reading through the story. She resigned as chancellor after months of controversy. And she was granted... <laughs> so not only did she fuck that up, listen to this. She was granted a year of paid leave. And then she gets to come back as a professor making 318 goddamn thousand dollars for one 50-minute class a year. Good God. 
You know, this is like the great unspoken scam out here is the, the, the higher education scam. You know, when you say like, when you tell people, you know, like, oh, he's a college professor. You know, what do you, I would, I would say like, and this is an engineering department. I'm like, oh, a college professor, what do you make like a hundred grand for an engineer? Like that's like a respectable college professor. It's not like a, you know, it's not like gender studies or anal studies or whatever. I still got the anal thing from last time in my mind. But you know, a, a professor, I think you should, you know, make your money. That's too much though. And at the same time, so this is at UC. Now, at Cal State, they're talking about a limiting placement exams, too. Different school system, but still, Cal State, uh, they don't want to have anybody prove they can do math or read before they put them into classes because of, uh, for various social justice reasons. It's fucking crazy. Like, you can't make this shit up, honestly. Uh, this is great. Uh, remember France? So... You know, as much shit as they like to give us, they're fucking borderline retarded over there. You remember when France, they were going to open all these de-radicalization centers? You guys tracking on that? You know what that is? Yeah, that's what they, they were going to put all the fucking returning jihadi fighters into the de-radicalization center and uh, teach them how they can't just go around murdering infidels and uh, cutting people's heads off, right? So it didn't work out so well. Uh, sadly... They have closed its only state-run terrorism uh, prevention center, and this opened less than a year ago and has remained empty since February. <laughs> it was designed to take in up to 25 people who were radicalized and becoming marginalized and who they had to volunteer. That's the thing. The interior minister said that the experimental live-in center, quote-unquote, showed its limits. Yeah, no shit. As of last December, some 700 French citizens were uh, in Syria or Iraq. 700 French citizens. Yeah, you're, you, they're so fucked over there. There's like no way. Like, how are you? How are you going to combat that? Honestly, what are you going to do? There's no fucking way you could ever do it. So uh, they're screwed, and it's only a matter of time before we get another uh, good bombing over there. You know, there's they they. they it's always only a matter of time, right? That's the thing with the with the hidden with the hidden guys over there. You never know when they're going to go off. And these are citizens already, you know. So what? How are you supposed to how are you supposed to combat that? I mean, thank God we just have to deal with the with the MS thirteen guys, and we have uh, some fairly you know good law and order, and we don't put up with that shit. But damn, I don't I don't know how they're going to deal with it. What else do we have? Uh, oh, this is good. Thank you again. Also, you know, I love that's I'm telling you, I get a lot of my info from people are always like, where do you find this shit? A lot of it comes from you guys out there. Hit me up on Twitter anytime. How about this? A nude man walking along an interstate in New Jersey was using a sex toy on himself when his public pleasure session was interrupted by police. Officers responded to a report of a naked man walking along the tree line on Route 287. This is in New York. Uh, discovered Stephen Kerkowiak, 39 years old. When, <laughs> when Kerkowiak, who lives in upstate New York, was approached by two patrolmen, he stood up and pulled, quote, an object out of his rectum, end quote. He then tossed the sex toy over his shoulder. At least he didn't throw it at the cops, right? And uh, while he had the sex toy, he was also pleasuring himself in view of passing automobiles and had in possession 
a digital camera. So, uh, dude, these poor fucking cops. What they, what you guys, and I know I have a lot of police officers and law enforcement who listen to this show. You know, I, I can't imagine what they have to fucking deal with on a daily basis. And I've said, but you know, like I always wanted to kind of go into law enforcement and stuff, but, um, that definitely has cured me of any, any fucking desire to have to do that crap. All right, let's move to the next one. What else do we have? This is so good. Oh, we had, uh, yeah, the, you know, I, I, you guys have, uh, if, you've, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you've heard me talk about uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, right? Yeah, this is like the new civil rights thing. The, the, uh, you have a right to play starting quarterback in the NFL now or something. It's hilarious. I keep telling, I keep trying to tell people, like, you know, they're a private business and the owners are not known for their progressive politics. It's a private business. You don't have a right to do jack shit. And it is a business. That's what something nobody seems to talk about. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you're a fucking headache, they don't want you there because that's, or it's bad for business. A lot of, a, a large percentage of the NFL fan base does not like this guy. Frankly, I don't give a shit what he does. To me, honestly, I'm so over fucking pro sports. Like the way these people worship and follow around these overpaid fuck asses. Like, dude, grow up, you know? Honest to God. But they were having an argument on ESPN, apparently. And this was uh, Marcellus Wiley, former uh, former San Diego Charger. I do follow the NFL a little bit. I think I've talked about that before. But the other sports, uh, I'll watch like the big championship games. I'll watch the UFC. But outside that, like I would never, I wouldn't like pay for anything, you know. So Marcellus Wiley here is talking with uh, uh, some um, some some uh, woman named Michelle Beadle on ESPN. Whoa, stop! Don't don't go yet, buddy. Um. And he's talking to Michelle Beadle, and she's just outraged that Colin Kaepernick is not get handed a slot to play starting quarterback in the NFL. So let's hear how this goes. Because everyone else has an opportunity. Know what it's about. Everyone else has an opportunity except Colin Kaepernick. So I think it is football-related, Mary. Who would you rather have, Ryan Mallett or Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick. It's not even close. Okay. <laughs> so then, so then what, what are we talking about? You know what this is about. Oh, oh, you know 1,000% what this is I about. You have very rich white owners. You have a stance that was white taken for many white people. And yes, I'm allowed to speak for all of us sometimes. <laughs> they thought it was an anti-police stance 24-7. They didn't want to no hear problem. that it was about something else, that it was about the idea that your particular community was being targeted and treated unfairly and brutally. That was the problem. But now you've got all these rich white folks who are sitting up there that they don't want to deal with it. They That's don't right. want to deal with fans. Mail, that's right deal with protests, which correct would last a lot less than you think it would these things don't last no. forever people protested might make for five minutes and then everyone went on with their respect, lives no crime respect brutal misguided um here's the thing Stephen ross yeah. is going on record and said and he's under the fire now because he just lost his quarterback yesterday we'll see for how long yeah, we'll see what he does yeah, but he hundred percent supported not only the protest and the kneeling he walked in the locker room and told god if you want to i'm fine to the point that he actually resigned how? this offseason a player who protested. And, how do you, and then how you have Kenny Steels as well on his roster. You just fucking answered that, you dumb broad. Holy fuck. That's right. Rich white guys don't want the fucking headache. You nailed it on the head. That's correct. And no, the and the white fans, yeah, they don't want to deal with the headache either. Fuck. These fucking people, man. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, Michelle. The rich white owner doesn't want to fucking deal with it. You are 100% right. Jesus. See, I'm all worked up now, you guys. That's it. And, you know, like we do here, I uh, don't uh, go back and edit. This is a straight shot through. Uh, that's that's how uh, that's how we roll here. What else? What else do we have here? Um, let's see. More illegal immigration. Now I'm uh, fucking over that shit. Oh, that Martin Scarelli guy. You know who he is? He was uh, he was convicted today. If you don't know who he is, Martin Scarelli, S H K R E L I. He uh, was accused of defrauding his hedge fund investors, and a pharmaceutical company was convicted on three of eight counts after a five week trial. This was. The guy who was famous, uh, he was like the famous internet troll who famously jacked up prices very high, and everybody on the internet hated him. But he was convicted of this fraud, and he faces up to 20 years in prison on the each of the first two counts and up to five years on the final count. Wow. That is nuts. Uh, this Now, this guy, if you don't remember who he is, uh, he... He actually was the dude who had he bought a he bought a company basically that made a, an HIV drug. Oh, here it is. I'm just scrolling through the story. This is where he became famous. He was he he raised a dr- the price of a drug called Daraprim that used to cost thirteen dollars and fifty cents, and he raised it to seven hundred and fifty dollars a pill. And he kind of bragged about it too. He's like, "Hey, I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist," and everybody fucking crushed him. And and then of course he courted controversy after that. Uh, he he bought the sole copy of a Wu Tang Clan album for a reported one million dollars. <laughs> I don't know. They have to throw that in here. Yeah, like the Wu Tang Clan apparently like literally like pressed a, an album. Like there was only one copy, and he paid a fucking million dollars for it. So his lawyer, his shyster lawyer, tried to portray him as a brilliant man who could pioneer new new cures for diseases. Uh, as a way to leniency, but uh, that's not going to... There's no doubt the guy's smart as shit, but he was uh, widely, widely, widely hated. So this was an interesting story. There is a, there's a uh, psychology professor out here in San Diego called... Her name is Jean Twenge. This is something I've had extensive conversations with people. She, she wrote a really long article in The Atlantic talking about the whole the, the smartphones and the children and she she's been researching the effects and how people have changed and uh, honestly I'm glad I had a kid a long time ago so I didn't have to deal with this stuff but if, uh, if I had a kid today I wouldn't have a, a I wouldn't have an iPad in the house and I probably wouldn't let them touch if I would definitely not give them a phone and I probably wouldn't let them touch my phone until they were at least like eight years old. I just w- and I know it sounds harsh, right? Keep in mind, we didn't even have these fucking things until like five years ago. So I know like everybody, you know, I'm not going to be one to be like, you know, I know the moms out there running ragged with children and all that. And sometimes it's easier just to shove an iPad in front of a kid. I get that. However, we somehow managed to live for thousands and thousands of years without these devices. And it really kind of drives me crazy. Like when even now, even today, when I have, when you know, I, I go, me and my kid will meet up for lunch and stuff. And I, he knows, he knew a long time ago, we don't, we don't eat, pull out our phones at all. I won't have it. But I see like all over the place. Like that's just this morning, I was getting coffee and I see 
two parents and two kids, right? And their two kids are just sitting there, not talking, kind of just looking around, and both parents are staring into their phones. I wanted to go over there and fucking slap this shit out and be honest with you. I'm like, you are making your kids so... You have to talk to your kids, man. What the fuck? And I'm not talking about just glancing at the phone. I'm talking about just staring at it. For like, I was there waiting for a bagel for like a good 10, 15 minutes. They just stared at their phones the whole time. It's pretty nuts. Anyway, this psychology professor, she has been researching uh, generational differences for 25 years. So she has been around. And she says around 2012... She started to notice abrupt shifts in teen behaviors and emotional states and that she said she had never seen anything like this stuff. Now, she she said especially this was made a noticeable change. Stuff started to change around 2007. Well, guess what fucking came out in 2007? Yeah, that's right. Smartphone. And it became more accelerated in 2010. And what came out in 2010? The iPad course and she came out she saw a just a lot of of uh of different changes in the way children acted for instance 12th graders in 2015 were going out less often than eighth graders did in 2009 they are less likely to date um only 56% of high school seniors in 2015 went out for dates. For boomers and Gen Xers, that was more like 85%. And it's other stuff. I mean, uh, there's been a sharp decline in sexual activity. Now, you know, nobody wants child pregnancy, of course, but it's sexual activity, period. Uh, the average teen now has had sex for the first time by the spring of 11th grade, a full year later than the average Gen Xers. Uh, the teen birth rate has hit an all-time low in 2016, down 67% since its modern peak in 1991. And the professor goes on to give quite a few anecdotes about how um, it's worth reading in full about how basically there's no rust for students to get licenses um, they don't, you know, I remember we couldn't, and probably all of you, you couldn't wait to get your damn license. You know, you want to get the hell out of there. Jobs are different. Uh, in the late 1970s, 77% of high school seniors worked for pay during the school year. By the mid 2010s, only 55% did. The number of eighth graders who work for pay has been cut in half. Those are, you know, your babysitters, right? Um, and Across a range of behaviors, she writes, drinking, dating, spending time unsupervised, 18-year-olds now act more like 15-year-olds used to, and 15-year-olds more like 13-year-olds. Childhood now stretches well into high school. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of great phones here. but uh, So she says, she's like, what are you doing with all this time? Because they actually spend less time on homework now than Gen X teens did in the 1990s. Uh, that was my era right there, right? 1990s. And she says, what are they doing all that time? They're on their phone, in their room, and often distressed. And she's quoting one girl in here who says, I've seen friends with my families. They don't talk to them. They just say, okay, okay, whatever, while they're on their phones. They don't pay attention to their family. 
The number of teens who get together with their friends nearly every day dropped by more than 40% from 2000 to 2015. The decline has been especially steep lately. Yeah, because you don't need to hang out because they're all on Snapchat and shit, right? Um, but the problem is all screen activities are linked to less happiness and non-screen activities are linked to more happiness. And they're starting to wonder, and the bottom line here is the more time teens spend looking at screens, the more likely they are to report symptoms of depression. And that's something that's hit an all-time high is people who say, I feel lonely or I often feel left out of things. That has spiked. Those teens reporting that they feel lonely spiked in 2013 and have remained at that level every single time because it's not real, right? I've always said it's not real. And trust me, I don't... I. I look at the phone all the time. You know, I have to I have to get the penis stories and the trans stories for all you guys, right? I have to do it. But I have been, uh, when I, so when I don't do it, though, I have been leaving my phone at home a lot because I just don't want to do it. I want to get out there. I want to be in real life. And then when I do get out, I try not to pull out my phone all the time because I don't want to, I want to, I want to experience like real life, not this fake ass shit. But yeah, go check out that article. Great article by her. Uh, Lena Dunham is in the news. You guys know her. She was that, uh, that she's that pasty chick from that, uh, HBO show girls. Well, apparently she overheard transphobic talk at the airport. <laughs> I'm reading the twitchy twitchy.com is great. It, it rounds up all the, the liberals on Twitter. It's funny. Well, she was sitting apparently in an airline and she overheard two American air attendants having a transphobic talk. So, and then she tweeted out the text messaging conversation with the airline that she had. And she says, hi, I heard two female attendants walking and talking about how trans kids are a trend. They'd never accept a trans child and transness is gross. I think it reflects badly on uniformed employees of your company to have that kind of dialogue going on. What if a trans teen was walking behind them? And, and American Airlines, of course, got right back to her, you know, asking, what gate was this? Um, and then they said, thanks for the info, Lena. We are passing this along to our team to review. What a fucking narc, huh? How about that? This is like, this is what these, these uh, left-wing freaks are really the new Puritans, aren't they? Boy, you got to watch out. Your speech could be wrong. It's unreal. Uh, but the the local update to that story is uh, American Airlines was not able to uh, validate those claims at all. So maybe she made the whole thing up. They always lie. Keep in mind. How many, if you guys have listened to me, how many race hoaxes have you heard? How many race hoax stories have you heard me talk about? Uh, more news. The Blackwater guys. Wow, this is, uh, yeah, the Blackwater guard. You guys remember Blackwater, the shooting in 2007, of course, in Nassau Square. They're facing life. Uh, they, they, got a, they won a new trial. Uh, this guy was sentenced to life in prison, Nicholas Slatton. It's a 2014 trial for the killing of 14 Iraqi civilians at Nassau Square in Baghdad. The U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington ruled that Judge Royce Lamberth should not have barred a statement during the 2014 trial who claimed it was a different man who fired the first shots on the day of the massacre. 
And of course, this Nassau Square massacre, as the court termed it, uh, was used by the uh, by the anti-war people or whoever. I mean, I'm anti-war, but it was basically used to fan the flames of anti-American sentiment. You know, th- it was this was an example. Fucking Guantanamo Bay was an example, and uh, he's also they're also throughout the charge of using a machine gun to commit a crime, which of which they absolutely should have. You believe that they actually convicted him of that? It's like, hello, we were you were given guns by the United States government to do your job. So how in the fuck can you be convicted of using a machine gun to do a crime when that was your issued gun? I'm not going to print in. I knew what happened in that square, but you can't fucking throw guys out there who are guarding diplomats. I know. And remember, I still remember all the bullshit as a former contractor myself. I took it personally when people are like these mercenaries, they're nothing but mercenaries. No, they're not mercenaries. They're all former veterans, honorable discharge, by the way. And they were paid to protect us diplomats abroad, which they did very well. And, uh, frankly, the fact that they even had a trial, I mean, shit happens, you know? I don't know exactly what happened, but shit does happen. And the fact that they were convicted and, you know, you're going to take some American citizens, some young men, and you're going to throw them in fucking prison like that, that was fucking disgraceful, in my opinion. A former Facebook executive has quit his job and now lives as a recluse in the wilderness because he is convinced that machines will take over the world. This is Antonio Garcia Martinez. Isn't he the guy? Dude, I want to say that's the guy who wrote that book, Chaos Monkeys. I'm not sure. I put that out on Twitter once and I enjoyed that book. He worked as a project manager for Facebook, but he became terrified by the relentless march of technology. He reckons that machines will have taken half of humanity's jobs within 30 years, sparking revolt and armed conflict. So he quit his job, fled his home, and now lives in a woodland north of Seattle with a gun for protection. (laughs) Well, you should have a gun anyway. He said, if the world really does end, there aren't going to be many places to run. Within 30 years, half of humanity won't have a job. It could get ugly. There could be a revolution. Um, You may not believe it's coming, but it's coming in the form of a self-driving truck that's going to run you over. There are 300 million guns in this country, he said, one for every man, woman, and child, and they're mostly in the hands of those who are getting economically displaced. There could be a revolt. I don't doubt it. I could totally see, you know, I've talked often about the robot revolution and everything else, but I don't know. I could, I could totally see like, you know, displaced factory workers, like leaving a charge, leading a charge on like the factory where they just replace them all with robots and just smashing all the robots. Cause at the end of the day, you can do that, right? Just smash the robots. Now what the fuck you can now? How, how, where's your robot now, bitch? You know? The, uh, the actor uh, Robert Pattinson, he was in that, uh, that Twilight uh, movie series. I never saw any of them. Apparently, he was asked to pleasure a dog for his latest film, Good Time. Oh, God. Nothing is worth that, bro. Uh, yeah, Rob told Jimmy Kimmel that his character in the film, Corey has an affinity with dogs as he thinks he was one in a previous life. 
And he said, there's this one scene we shot where basically a drug dealer burst into the room and I was sleeping with the dog and basically giving the dog a hand job. Good God. Pattinson said the director told him on set to, quote, just do it for real, man. Don't be a pussy, end quote. However, the star said he refused to perform the sex act in real life. In the end, a fake dog penis was used instead. Oh, dude, honestly, Hollywood, aren't they are real fucking degenerates, aren't they? Good God, man. I mean, what, what possible relevance is that to a story? That is crazy. Another big story we had was the leaking of transcripts between Donald Trump, the president, and other heads of state. This is a fucking big deal. Even if you don't like Trump, hang on here. I'm about to take a big drink of water. Mm. Even if you don't like Trump, and even even some of the liberals, to their credit, are saying that this this is bad. You know, you can't have fucking people. Le- the leaking is out of control. Apparently, Jeff Sessions had a big meeting today. He said they've tripled the number of leak investigations. This won't stop until people go to jail and get like go to jail, not plead down, not get probation, but fucking go to jail. That's what fucking absolutely has to happen here. Cuz it's not going to stop. This is fucking nuts. The guy you're paralyzed and 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 the whole, this is all part of the resistance, right? To paralyze the guy so he can't do anything. Now, these phone calls took actually took place a while ago, but they were with the leaders of Mexico and Australia. But just now, um, <clears throat> they're just being released now to, I believe this is through the Washington Post. Yeah. These transcripts assembled from the notes of aides listening to the calls. Then, how, you know what? That's got to be a small group, can't doesn't it? With uh, the president of Mexico, Enrique Peña Nieto, Mr. Trump reportedly threatened to impose a stiff border tax to keep out Mexican products and complained about pretty tough hombres who were bringing so many drugs over the border that they had even made New Hampshire a drug-infested den. (laughs) The biggest point of contention, though, came as the president insisted that the Mexican president stop saying publicly that he would not pay for the wall and that Mr. Trump had promised to build on the border between the two countries. He said, if you are going to say that Mexico is not going to pay for the wall, then I do not want to meet with you guys anymore because I cannot live with that, Mr. Trump said. Hmm. The call with the head of Australia, Malcolm Turnbull, is that his name? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Malcolm Turnbull. Just said Mr. Turnbull here. That was even more testy as the president complained about what he called, quote, a disgusting deal that Australia had sealed with President Barack Obama, in which the United States had agreed to consider accepting up to 1,250 economic refugees. Mr. Trump complained that he would look so foolish doing so after barring refugees from the rest of the world. He said, he snapped towards the end of the call, I have had it. I have been making these calls all day, and this is the most unpleasant call of all. Putin was a pleasant call. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Transcripts of a president's conversations with foreign leaders are rarely made public, and a disclosure prompted another White House complaint about secrets slipping out. Uh, yeah, that's not good. But um, you know, he he bit, yeah, but he did he didn't sound good uh, either. I mean, Trump didn't sound good about uh, 
trying to say, he's trying to like compromise and all that. Now, his call with Turnbull, with Nieto, Nieto was one thing, but Malcolm Turnbull, that call with him was, was, was even worse. Um, Mr. Turnbull, he, he was talking about that refugee deal, and he said, I am saying, boy, that will make us look awfully bad. Here I am calling for a ban where I am not letting anybody in, and we take 2,000 of your people. Really, it looks like 2,000 people that Australia does not want, and I do not blame you, by the way, but the United States has become like a dumping ground. Mr. Turnbull explained that the deal did not require the United States to take 2,000 people, but it was important for the United States to live up to his commitment. This is a big deal, he said. I think we should respect deals. There's my Australian accent for you. It's not too great. Who made the deal, Mr. Trump said? Obama? Mr. Turnbull said, Yeah, crikey, but let me describe what it is. <laughs> he went on to say, And Mr. Trump demanded, Why haven't you let them out? Why have you not let, let them into your society? Good question. Mr. Turnbull said, It is not because they are bad people. It is because in order to stop people smugglers, we have to deprive them of the product. This is their policy that refuses to accept refugees who arrive by boat because it would encourage smugglers to keep charging desperate people to bring them there. Mr. Trump said, that is a good idea. We should do that too. You are worse than I am. <laughs> uh, Mr. Turnbull implored the president to abide by the agreement. Oh, I'm asking you as a really good friend. This is a big deal. It is really, really important to us that we maintain it. Oh, man. That's not a good Australian accent, is it? Mr. Trump said, Malcolm, why is this so important? I do not understand. This is going to kill me. I am the world's greatest person that does not want to let people into the country. <laughs> I love that sentence. Let me read that again. I am the world's greatest person that does not want to let people into the country. Wow. Oh, Trump. Gotta love him. He, uh, you know, he... They also fucking convened that grand jury, which is which was which was normal, and you knew that was going to happen. But uh, everybody's now, you know, the thing is with that grand jury, they can look at anything. You know, that's the thing. And if you if you think an, if you think a billionaire who's been an international businessman for decades doesn't have a bunch of shady shit, of course, of course they're gonna see. That's the thing, though. It's not limited to Russia, and they should have known that before going in. And I think they did know that. But the political pressure to appoint the special counsel was such that they basically let him go where, you know, wherever the investigation leads, it leads. But they didn't have clear parameters like, hey, you're only supposed to be looking at stuff that involves the 2016 election in Russia. You know, that's your deal. Well, it's going way fucking far away from that. And I don't doubt that they're going to find dirt on it and it's probably going to get in trouble. So fucking, you know what? It sucks. Like they all... All I wanted was to end the stupid wars and deport the illegal alien criminals. How fucking hard is that to do? Honest to God. Uh, for you guys uh, out there dating online, swiping left and right, you're going to want to hear this. A uh, Houston man is seeking $200,000 from a former Tinder date. He claims defamed him online and cost him his job. Joseph Lazarus, 32 years old, broke up with the woman he matched with on Tinder in 2014, and since then, he claims the woman has spread lies about him online and to two former employers, according to 
Harris County District Court. Where is that? Is it Houston? This is uh, it's from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, let's see what happened here. Lazarus's relationship with the woman lasted about three months after the two matched on Tinder. During that brief time, he called their interactions normal. Okay, so they banged. The two would go out to dinner and even attended a Houston startup convention together since Lazarus was working at an oil startup at the time. Oil startup? Huh. I wonder what that is. Let me take another drink here. Lazarus claims the two just didn't hit it off, so he decided to break up with her in person. She wanted to remain friends. He did not. <laughs> Within a few months after the breakup, he said he started receiving threatening messages from her. At one point, he received a message from her demanding $10,000 from him or she would tell people he raped her. Wow. What a fucking gold digger. The threats became even worse in the fall of 2016. That's when Lazarus was called into his boss's office. Lazarus was working for a high-end automobile broker in Houston at the time. The boss had seen posts about Lazarus on the dirty.com. Yeah, gossip site. I go on the dirty. Love it. Uh, the boss had seen these posts about on the dirty, and uh, he said, I can't risk my company's reputation here, so I'm going to let you go. The post said Lazarus was creepy and someone who would have sex and rape fat chicks just to amuse his friends. He was fired that day. Wow. The court documents he filed did include text messages the woman allegedly sent to one of Lazarus's friends. The messages that she sent claimed that Lazarus would buy her dildos instead of flowers and that he was a rapist, liar, and cheater. Hmm. Uh, his lawyer... Uh, he sounds like a, he sounds like he's got the right lawyer. His lawyer has taken on more than a dozen revenge revenge porn cases in his six year career. This is the first he's had though, where the alleged victim was a man. Wow, that's it, man. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, that's the thing. You can just be destroyed by an accusation in our time. You know, like you know, like ten years ago, nobody would have ever fucking heard about this, but uh, with the social media and all that crap, dude. The fucking lie goes all the way around the world and uh, takes a long time. And that and the first story is the one that always sticks, you know, all the time, every fucking time. I mean, the the pr premier example of that is the uh, I always bring up that I always think of is the Ferguson thing. Remember? Oh, he was shot in the back as he ran away. Hands up, don't shoot. That's what went out all over the world, right? And that's when all the riots started, and then it was uh, it was on from there. On a uh, funnier note, an Arkansas man, <laughs> 49, year, 49 years old, uh, he is charged with bestiality after getting caught on camera having sex with a family's pet donkey. Mm. Everett Lee Compton charged with multiple counts of bestiality and cruelty to animals. He was recorded on surveillance camera repeatedly having sex with the donkey. <laughs> uh, you Arkansas police, send me this. I want to see the surveillance video. Uh, Emmert and Joyce Whitaker. Emmert. That's a good Arkansas name. E-M-E-R-T. Emmert and Joyce Whitaker called 911 to report that a stranger was on their Siloam Springs property 
engaging in sexual activity with one of their two female donkeys. Oh, was, at least it was a female, I guess, right? Does that make it better? Cops found the suspect hiding in nearby bushes after the pair noticed him in the axe on their cameras. When asked what he was doing in the Whitaker family's property, uh, Compton, Mr. Uh, Compton here, Everett Lee Compton, he said that he was just taking a late-night stroll and decided to feed the donkeys some carrots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he petted a carrot all right. The cops then informed the suspected trespasser that there were surveillance cameras installed on the property. And uh, the cops said, hey, I'm about to watch this footage of uh, whatever it was. And that's when Compton <laughs> admitted the sexual contact with the donkey. And he blamed the axe on his marijuana habit, which he said has been making him do sick things, according to the affidavit. Hey, you, you marijuana faces out there. Uh, that You can't smoke too much weed, I'm telling you. I talked about that on the Software Podcast, too. It does make... You can't smoke weed all day, every day, okay? I like weed as much as anybody. At the end of a hard day, absolutely. You smoke weed all day, every day. Next thing you know, you're fucking... Uh, you're fucking giving, uh, giving the old shaft right in the donkey. Uh, the Whitakers, the property owners, had recently installed game cameras on their land after repeatedly finding evidence that someone had been coming onto their property and harassing their animals. Goddamn right, dude. On three separate... Oh, this has happened before. The cameras had already caught a man feeding the donkeys... Feeding the Whitaker's donkeys some bread, then covering the donkey's eyes with a shirt, standing behind them, and pressing his pelvis against the animal's rear. Oh, jeez. Compton promised the officer to seek professional help if he did not charge him with bestiality. <laughs> but the... But his pleas fell on deaf ears, says the Daily Mail. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, oh man. You know what? I promise I'll get some help if you, uh, if you don't charge me for banging this donkey. Can you imagine the, cop, the cop's like, nah. Nah. Uh. Oh, just as I'm opening my tabs here, I completely forgot about this one. But uh, this happened, uh, just, just, just so I want to note this in the books, uh, an illegal immigrant was arrested also in New York for allegedly raping a 12-year-old girl, a guy named Fernando Alvarado Perez. 37-year-old male allegedly had sex with a girl multiple times between when she was 12 and 13 years old. That's nice. So fucking many, I tell you. Uh, Michelle Carter, you know who that is? That's the, that's the chick who texted her boyfriend and encouraged him to kill himself. You remember that? We covered that on one of the other podcasts, and I, uh, we read, uh, I read quite a few of the actual texts. She was sentenced uh, 15 months in jail. Uh, she convinced her friend through phone calls and text messages to commit suicide. She was 17 at the time, and he was 18. And he uh, ended up poisoning himself with carbon monoxide in his truck. She had faced up to 20 years in prison. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, prosecutors had asked for a sentence from uh, of 7 to 12 years. And it is interesting because it raises the question. Uh, can you be considered responsible for somebody else's suicide when you're not physically present? I mean, you haven't provided him with a weapon. You're not at the scene of the crime. 
all you're doing is via text messages saying, hey, yeah, you should do it. Oh, and I remember reading these texts. So what? The kid actually climbed out of the truck as it started to fill with fumes, and then she called him and told him to get back in, which he did. And the prosecutors say her failure to help him in that crucial moment, either by calling the police or urging him to stay out of the truck, was what led judge, uh, a judge named Judge Moniz to find her guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Okay, so what they're saying, I wonder if she hadn't called him. Like, I wonder if she was just... I wonder if the same thing would have happened if she would have just said, dude, you should fucking go kill yourself. Seriously, go kill yourself. And then he would, and that was the end of the conversation. And he got in the car at that time and did kill himself. I wonder, I wonder if that would have resulted in the same punitive damage. But what they're saying is it was the fact that she, you know, he got out of the truck and he was actually doing it. You know, now he's really doing it. It's gone beyond like a, a horror story. It's gone beyond, like, I may do this thing to now he actually did it, and then you you didn't alert the authorities. So involuntary man. I could see that. But I don't think it would have gotten the same thing if she was just like, oh, dude, you should totally kill yourself. Go in your car and uh, kill yourself. And then he did it, and that was, and that was the end of the conversation. He did it. I don't know if it would have been the same thing. Uh, you know, I always talk about the the race for likes. We're all wanted, We're all trying to get likes, right? On the social media, well, you know, I like getting likes as much as the next person, but I'm certainly not going to die for the shit. Well, apparently, Russia's sexiest motorcyclist, famed for her raunchy Instagram stunts, was killed in a tragic crash as she raced down a motorway. Her name was Olga Pronina, 40 years old, uh, very, uh, very attractive woman. She was racing through the city of Vladivostok in Russia when she lost control of her BMW motorcycle and plowed into a side railing earlier this week. And uh, I'm just scrolling through the story, and there's many pictures of her posing next to her motorcycle uh, in bathing suits and skimpy outfits. Uh, She's definitely good-looking. She was a mother of one. She was very popular on Instagram. She had over 150,000 followers, you guys. That uh, That means you're an important person. She was thrown from the bike and died. She said on Instagram, she was described by friends as an adrenaline junkie who loved riding in high speed. I I used to, uh, you know, after I saw the story, I went and checked out some of her videos and yeah, she did like crazy shit. She'd be, she would like straddle a motorcycle uh, while drinking from a straw, like holding onto the bike with one hand. She bragged about uh, going 250 kilometers per hour and holding, uh, holding onto the bike with one hand. I mean, it's what do you fucking think is going to happen? You you could you could hit a fucking penny in the road at that speed on a motorcycle and fucking die. I swear I I, I love motorcycles but they fucking scare the shit out of me. You know, I used to drive them all the time, not so much anymore, but uh that's that's too bad, but dude, what are you going to do? That's what fucking happens. Hey, Mark Zuckerberg, how about this guy? Speaking of Facebook and social media, he hired Clinton's chief campaign strategist, fueling further speculation that he is eyeing a political role. Why not, right? This is, you know what? I bet this happens all the time now. I bet this is like a huge thing where now that Trump kind of broke the mold on this shit, 
I think you're going to see a lot more celebrities say, yeah, why not? I think that's kind of misguided, though. I mean, if you watch, you know, and if you kept an eye on the campaign, like I, I did quite a bit. Yeah, Trump had the name recognition. Granted, that's that's a big thing. And look at Kid Rock. You know, he's up. But I don't. name recognition is not going to be enough. You have to have some sort of message that resonates with people. You can't just go out there and, you know, say some bland message and, and, and expect they're going to vote for it. Or even worse, what if you're famous and you come off like a complete fucking idiot? Say what you will about Trump, and I know a lot of people don't care for him, but if you watched any of his rallies, and I watched a bunch of them, uh, it was like a stand-up act. You know, he spoke off the cuff. He spoke bluntly. He spoke humorously. And, you know, you contrast that with Obama, who, while being a very good speech giver, was an absolute fucking dullard when he wasn't, you know, scripted. You know, you ever hear Obama fucking talk off the cuff? Oh, my God, it's fucking brutal. He's like, um, I um, believe... Um, that um, I my dude, I wanted to fucking poke my eyes out right there. Uh, how much time? We, oh, I've been going for a while, huh? Jesus. Like I said, this is how you know. No, no editing, folks. Straight shot. This is how you know you're fucking nuts when you can do this shit in the middle of a room right here. Uh, let's uh, let's start fucking winding up though. Though, what else do we have? Oh, there's that. Uh, no, I don't want to do that one. That guy's lame. A uh, prisoner severed his own penis with a razor blade given to him by guards. Oh, man. This is in uh, Britain. He apparently was feeling suicidal. And he was 55 years old. Peter Smith was found in his cell covered in blood with his organ hanging by a thread. And surgeons, get this, they fucking spent 26 fucking hours trying to save this guy's fucking penis. That's a lot of work for a prisoner, I'm just saying. His family are demanding answers as to why a man with a past history of, self his, of self-harm was given access to a blade. Just a week earlier, he had attempted to slash his left wrist with a piece of plastic while in police custody. These revelations came on the day the Prison Governors Association warned jails in the UK are in a crisis. Yeah, I bet they're in a crisis. All jails, they're bad. Dude, you don't want to go to prison, that's for sure. Fuck, I don't want to. Uh, let's see, what else? All right, well, let's, uh, let's start wrapping it up here. I've got two pretty good ones over here. This... Uh, Oh, you know, remember, uh, remember my boy Orlando Mateen? Who is Orlando? There's a qu- here's a quick current events quiz for you guys. Orlando Mateen, who is he? Give up? He's the Orlando shooter. Remember him, right? The guy who shot up the Orlando nightclub, the Islamic guy. And then remember he had his shady wife who took off and tried to run, and she like they couldn't find her forever. Well, Orlando's uh, wife. She plans to say that she, t- she suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder during her trial. Unbelievable. Court documents say Noor Salam, 
intends to present a defense that showed she suffered a mental condition that has a bearing on the issue of guilt. Uh, she's being charged with obstructing an investigation and aiding and abetting her husband, Omar Atin. She has pled not guilty. Her trial in federal court in Orlando is set for March. Yeah, good fucking luck with that one. They should have just... Uh, you know what? Like I said about earlier with the Middle Easterners, they fucking do it right. Our justice system is fucking the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. And uh, there's a new product out there. And this was created out of a desperate attempt to avoid using condoms. This is involves men using a sticker to seal their urethra shut during sex. The product named... Jif tip, J-I-F-T-I-P, is a sticker that covers the urethra during sex and is touted as a way to feel your partner, feel freedom, and feel safe. But it's not really safe because this doesn't have any effect on STDs, uh, of course. This sounds like more like you're not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to come in her. You know, if I could be coarse here for a moment. The product's disclaimer gets even more alarming in the frequently asked questions section. Oh, there's an FAQ. But what about herpes and HPV, the company asks? GIF tip only protects pleasure and convenience, not STIs or pregnancy. Oh, not even pregnancy? Then what's the fucking point of this thing? It's crazy. Uh, it comes in a three-pack for $6.00. And it should be used with the pull-out method. Uh, it's not recommended to ejaculate with the patch on during sex. <laughs> so, so if you if you're you're about to you're about to fucking jizz, then where there's got no place to go. That could that sounds like it could fucking be horrible. Uh, they note that those who leave the patch on when they ejaculate may experience pain or irritation from the patch blocking their urethra while the man has natural spasms that evacuate all the fluid. Oh, Jeff tip. I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard to, it's hard for me to see what the point of that is in any shape, way, shape or form. Uh, here's some good news. More than a third of American adults are now living with pre-diabetes. A third, a third of Americans. And the majority of those are unaware they have the condition. Of course, we're talking about diabetes type 2 here, the, the fatty one, not the one. The type 1 is the one you're, like, born with. And this is almost entirely due to lifestyle and diet. Um, this is a huge, you know, now, if you're, if you're overweight, this puts you at a risk. And on top of that, a lack of physical activity. Uh, is going to get to you. Now, already, as of 2015, close to 10% of the Mer of Americans have diabetes right now. Uh, the good news is the rate of... Th that rate has remained steady in recent years, which is, uh, I suppose, okay. So maybe the word is getting out, but the pre-diabetes rate now is up to a third of people. Wow. That's fucking hard to believe. Again, you know, I've mentioned this a few times. The fucking, 
the, the diet and exercise industry has, I should say, nutrition and exercise industry has so much to answer for in this fucking country. Here's some stats for you from the, uh, this is from the CDC. Uh, in 2015, an estimated 1.5 million new cases of diabetes were diagnosed among people 18 or older. Nearly one in four adults living with diabetes didn't know they had the condition. Only 11% of adults with pre-diabetes knew they had it. Rates of diagnosed diabetes increased with AIDS. Among those ages 18 to 44, 4% had diabetes. Among those aged 65 years and older, 25% had diabetes. Jesus. Uh, more men had pre-diabetes than women. 36% of men have pre-diabetes, 29% of women. So... You know, honestly, a lot of this can even all this shit. Let me before I I will do my whole show on nutrition and fitness one day. Honestly, if you want to avoid all this shit, there's two fucking easy things you can do. One, leave your house and walk for 20 minutes. Turn around and walk back. That doesn't mean go to the gym and get on a fucking treadmill. That means walk out of your house and walk for 20 minutes at a brisk pace and walk back. Do that five days a week. Two. Make all your food at home. Even if you make shit food, it's still a bazillion times better than that processed crap that's in boxes and all that shit. Like, I, I haven't bought, like, boxed foods, anything that you can, uh, in, in decades. So, if you did nothing else but those two things, you don't ever have to worry about this shit. Even if you use a lot of butter and salt in the food that you made at home. There's your little fucking health tip for you. All right, let's get to the big finish here. Um, in Sweden, a man has died after penis enlargement surgery. Mm. As part of the procedure, doctors injected fat into a healthy 30-year-old man's penis. Some of this fat entered the man's veins and then traveled through the blood to his lungs. Of course, when fat droplets enter small blood vessels in the lungs, they can cause blockages and this leads to death. This is called a fat embolism. Now, this is a known risk of moving fat from one part of the body to the other. Now, they do this, right? Don't they? I think they do this with women's asses, too, the whole fake ass thing. They take your fat ass. Not They take your fat gut and move it so you have a fat ass. Uh, they do say this is a rare event, but this, uh, this guy wanted a both a longer penis and a more girthy penis. Now, normally these things are done separately. This guy decided to have it all done at the same time. This fucking sounds fucking brutal. During the first step of doing this penis surgery, they cut a penis ligament called the suspensory ligament, which makes the penis appear longer in its flaccid state. In the second step, the surgeons inject fat to increase the bulk of the penis. Uh and get this, neither part of the surgery improves a man's erectile function. I didn't know this part. Instead, the procedure alters only the appearance of the penis when it is flaccid. In addition, the procedure may in fact have a negative impact on sexual function because the doctors need to cut that ligament, you fucking dumbasses. Good jeez. Oh, and here you go. It's not clear how many patients undergo this type of surgery in the, in the United States. Because the procedure is generally not covered by insurance, many patients opt to have the operation in other countries. Yeah. How's that? 
Oh God! Do you know what, you guys? Just don't, just don't cut your penis. How many fucking times do I have to tell you? And that goes for all you fucking transgenders too. Wear a dress. Wear fucking makeup. Wear high heels. Fucking don't cut your dick off. How fucking hard is that? You're gonna learn. You're gonna get that fucking infection, and you're gonna learn. Anyway, Jesus, I can't take it anymore, people. That's it. That's fucking. That's the. Uh, there's your news roundup podcast, the BK Actual podcast. That's it. I'm done. That's almost two hours straight. Uh, really want to thank all you guys for hanging in the solo one. I hope you enjoyed it. I know that you have. I know I've gotten emails saying you. Uh, people don't, uh, people aren't down with the solo one as much, but you know, it's, it's hard to get people who are willing to come on uh, a podcast, you know, and I, I try to get guests on when I can, but sometimes I do like the solo one so we can get in deep to some subjects because when you have a lot of people here, you tend to start going off into sidebars much more. So I try to use those times to really get down and dirty on a subject like today's with illegal immigration. But um, let me know. Uh, feel free to hit me at BK Actual. That's where my majority of messages come in. And, and let me know what you think to, can be, if, if it's too long, if the solo podcast is too long or too much for you, I certainly understand that. And I don't take it personally. If you, if you have some criticism, please let me know. I don't need to be fucking blown all the time. I think I, it was funny. Remember I asked on Twitter this last week, I was like, I think I should do a podcast, just a profanity-free podcast. And everybody was wildly against that. So, uh, but uh, but somebody said, you know what, you should do it just to say you did it. So I'm still considering that. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, get over to uh, softrep.com. Check out my weekly article. Follow all the guys there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BK Actual. And uh, if you can, uh, I'd really be honored and flattered if uh, you could uh, kick a dollar over to the Patreon.com account. You just go to Patreon.com and put in BK Actual, and leave me a goddamn review, would you, on the iTunes. Uh, that's how they rank the podcast. So the more reviews I get, the higher it ranks. It's good for me. It's good for you. And uh, we've had a good start on the Patreon fundraising so I can get better equipment, and we'll certainly continue that. So that's going to do it for me. What the hell? I'm uh, locked in a house here in San Diego. It's hot as shit. So I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go jump in the ocean. One more time, I should have some special guests for you next week. I'm working on my, oh, and just a teaser. I'm, st I'm working very heavily on getting my secret inside source from the Border Patrol. Oh, yeah. That's right. He has told me some stories you would not fucking believe. And I want to get that out to you guys. I'll probably have to keep anonymous. But he said he would be interested in coming on. I might have to pre-record it during sometime in the week because I'm not sure how his, his availability. But I definitely want to get him on. And you are not going to want to miss that one. So you guys, uh, everybody out there, have a great Friday and a great weekend and thanks for listening. See you next week.